Okay, this is Moses Allison, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andros Jones. Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries with a pretty cool cat named Sarah Kramer. (laughs) And now she is invited. Someone to join her. You have some great friends and some like I'm, I'm. I feel like everyone, I just want to scratch them and we find this whole discography and <laughs> family tree of music that's just so exciting. And I didn't know any of them. But this cat who's in here is someone who's been on some of my favorite records over the last uh, sev- many, many years. He's welcome, a gem. Welcome <laughs> to Radio 8 Ball, Danny Magoo. Hi. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I'm a little bit. I said I, you know, we were talking about being flapped. I'm a little bit flapped. Well, to be okay. So when we talk about records, what that does you, that mean? Unflappable. To be unflappable means like you know nothing phases me. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah. you're just totally flapped. I'm a little bit flapped right now because <laughs> well, I first came to know you. Actually, I knew your music before I knew you. I first got to know you as the guy, one of the main creative forces in Candy Pants. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite that record. The Candy Pants record, I think, is just a classic. I can't wait for him to tell you the story of when it played on iTunes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> well, okay. oh my that, god, actually, it was like uh, the um, when they uh, it just had come out and and uh, we got it on iTunes and um, our iTunes it was just brand new. Yeah, and so Steve Jobs and Bono. We're like doing the, the the big announcement, and they had like a big projection screen up uh, uh, behind them, where you know showing what they're doing. And then so Bonnock takes the thing, and he's like, "Okay, here we go." And then pushes the button, and all, it says "Candy Pants Track 15" or something like that. And they're like looking back at it, and it's just like it's not working. It's, you know, there's uh, oh, because it was no the, it was a hidden it was a, the like, hidden track yeah. before everything I do is going to be funky. Yeah, or yeah, or, or there the was, Alan Smile song. was the uh, oh Smile. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It was like oh, there was like we put a ten uh, right. random blank tracks on there, which was very, you know of silence. Yeah, right. Genius on our part. <laughs> um, so all they saw was all they heard was silence and saw Lisa Genio's Pink Bottom. I guess so. Yeah, because uh, on the back of the on the, or top the cover, of, yeah, on the cover of the Candy Pants records is her pink underwear. But, yeah, that was it. And then they went, well, let's try again. And then <laughs> it was like, you know, 
Man, if that if it had been I Want a Pony, <laughs> the whole world would be different. If that <laughs> right. song had come pounding out of there. Yeah. Oof. Bono, he would have been all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So, so Candy Pants, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal record. Uh, now, we were talking about the Iguana Cafe, and at the Iguana Cafe... A lot of illustrious people, like Tony Gilkison played mm-hmm. there, Dan Byrne, and Beck, and... Tracy Thielen. Well, uh, that's... Okay, so now that's, that's Ace-T and the Hindenburg Ground Crew yes. was also one of my favorite... I mean, Tracy was is dear, 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 like, great, was a great, great friend. We yes. lost him. I miss him. Uh, yeah, we, we do a thing... Uh, I, there's a, some friends who do a uh, backyard summer, like concert in their backyard every year and last year we did a tribute i got to i learned like five tracy thielen songs to play and it was it was a joy just to remember how like how great those songs are yeah really like the lying hearts club band is Mm -hmm. such a great song i mean i'm just getting chills thinking about great great song and you played in that Mm -hmm. which is when i heard that i was like oh my god sheldon was actually the one who hit me to that sheldon gomberg was like oh yeah danny magoo played on uh the ace the ace t i produced uh the record he had called king felix Oh, and and co-write a bunch of that's songs a, on it. that was a, that's an that was an out for even for him who was out there mm-hmm. that was another level of out there. Yeah, he was he was like he wanted to push. Yeah, yeah. We it, we did it just with whatever was hanging around that day, and actually we were supposed to we started recording it or you no know, the day we were supposed to start. He'd gone the night before he went to Spaceland, and ended up getting stabbed in the neck. And robbed of his forty dollars, and so we had we had to put the record off for a week and oh. a half. Um, wow! So he didn't die then, which was really good. Yeah, we, we, we made the record, and yeah, it was really, it was really fun and really experimental. Um, yeah, and he was a total sport about it. <laughs> and the king was the king Felix. That was a Philip K. Dick reference, or I never knew. Yeah, I think that's. I think he's. he's a, I think that's what it was. Hmm. Later on, it'd be King Felix was Felix Hernandez for Seattle Mariners fans, but hmm. this was before then. Now, who else was in AST and the Hindenburg Ground Crew? Oh boy, like that you well, can remember. You don't have to remember all of them. Um, actually, well, Smokey Ormel was in it. Uh, Duke McVinnie, James Cruz. See, uh, Miko Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, Christian Carbone. Ralph. I don't remember Ralph's last name, but he was great. Um, well, yeah, yeah. There, there was uh, well, a few. So do and so now we're going down the Duke <laughs> McVinnie rabbit hole because yes. that was the thing. Because at the Iguana Cafe, among all of the amazing talented people, Duke McVinnie was the cat among cats. Mm-hmm. Like every, you could tell, like being a, I was a young young musician there. I was like probably nineteen, twenty at the time, mm-hmm. maybe twenty. Yeah, probably twenty, twenty one. And you could, I was like, oh my God, Tony Gilkison's here. Oh my God, these Exine Cervenka's here. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, you could tell that they're all like, Duke McVinnie is the yeah. shit. And he would Great do writer. these midnight shows yeah. where James Cruz would come in and play this deconstructed drum. Like, he wouldn't deconstruct the drum parts, he would deconstruct the drum. He would just set up the drum without oh, like, yeah, yeah. On, all the stuff yeah. on the floor and then sit down and be t- like, yeah. Do these amazing drum parts just sort of sitting there, and it was just this free form. And Smokey Hormel would play with him, and right. Tony Gilkison would play with him. And those nights were some of the most, you know, when you're the music's great, but also you're young enough to not have been, you don't have any cynicism in you at all about yeah, yeah. it, mm-hmm. and just like 
it just you t- it takes you to another planet. There is love on other planets, and that's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like. But so it's made of love. And then Ambrosia Parsley mm-hmm. was also you were also a big part of that. Yeah. Which I that was before I had any awareness of you, but I knew I knew because of Duke about Ambrosia, mm-hmm. and that music was amazing. And then, so I'm I'm hanging out today with Sheldon Gomberg because I'm I know I'm playing with you and I know today he knows. You did? Yeah, I was. I love Sheldon. Yes. Well, he mixed my record and he had I just oh. had the LPs and I wanted to go give him a few copies, and so and I was like, I was like okay, and he so he played with Duke McVinnie, he played with Tracy Thielen, he played with Lisa Jenny, all my favorite songwriters. He's like, mm. oh, and he also played with Tom Waits. I was like, oh, yeah. oh that guy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we, we, but we back to back Tom Waits sidemen. By the way, we've had yes. And what? We, but he he couldn't tell me what was the set. What was? And the, I saw uh, you play with we. We had our dear friend Ralph Carney in common, but you and yeah. Ralph played with Morris Tepper. I watched you at the the oh. downtown at the Red whatever bar. What Red? At the Redwood. Yeah, Redwood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how often you did that. Not to we cut off it. the Tom Waits. Yeah. yeah. He has some Tom Waits stories. Trust well, Morris me. played with Tom too. Uh, in yeah, the, in the uh, Frank's Wild Years era. So, what like era was you? Were you the Meal Variations? Uh, the the okay. tour. Um, so, yeah, just toured the world, and people were really nice to me. Aww. <laughs> Hoist that rag! Is that the one? Hoist that rag! Is that is that from that one, or is it mm, Get the, Behind the, the Mule? Is from is from Meal Variations? Yeah. Um, Who's that right? Might, that might be from Alice or something. Oh, okay, like one of those um, or later or the after after that. Wow, what a um, so you tour, so but, you got to tour with? Oh yeah, it was great. It was really uh, really fun. Uh, yeah, I always <laughs> I always got got along real well with him, and, and he was a, a great boss. And, yeah, and then sure. you're playing those songs and stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, it's. I've only seen I only saw him once. It was a short set, but it was crazy. He played at one of the last Bridge concerts, mm-hmm. and. I mean, he just, he, Elvis, everyone was like, Elvis Costello was on, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, Jenny Lewis, fun, all these really great bands. He just came out and, not in a competitive way, but he just wiped the floor with them. Every, like the room, like the the place just came alive when he came on stage. (laughs) And it wasn't just because he's Tom Waits. He came out there with like, he hasn't played a show in a year or so, more, and he comes out with, 18 musicians. Oh, with the Kronos thing? Uh, or well, and it, uh, what's the guy from Primus playing bass? Les oh, okay. Claypool was playing well, bass. And then a, just recent. a bunch of session musicians, San Francisco musicians. But it was like, you didn't put this together last night. Yeah. Like, it's not him and a, a horn player and a keyboard player who knows him. It's a, like, he, for a bridge concert, Arrange for this benefit, yeah. he comes out with this amazing show mm-hmm. for one night. Yeah, for one night, and well, you matters. know he must have put in two weeks of work with those people, or they well, he, put in two weeks of yeah. work, and then they put in a couple of really hard days of, of like, okay, we're gonna knock this, get this mm-hmm. right. But they just—it was like they'd been playing together for they were on like they, it's like they were on tour. Like they yeah. just seemed like on another level. Yeah, Tom's Tom Waits is. I, 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 we're going to get to your th- to, to your question here, but I, okay. I, I once worked in a bar where we did a Tom, I did a Tom Waits night, and what I would mm-hmm. do is I just take all of his whole catalog, yeah, put it in the shuffler and let it play, and sometimes you walk into that bar and it's like, oh, this is a groovy place, and sometimes you walk into the bar and it's like, what the hell's going on? But there is not in that catalog, the guy did not make one cheesy move. He's made right. Pain, like sort of like, oh, well, that's jarring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's, but it's he's, true. 
he made it through the 80s without doing making one aesthetically cheesy move. And that, to me, was a, a, a revelation because <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone has a cheesy move. I mean, the best people in the world like have one place where like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have used that synthesizer or that right. drum sound or, you know, I went with this. He doesn't have one of those. Yeah. It's... Well, he's kind of like I think in the in, in the 80s, especially it was like that was the you know, the end of the or the yeah, the end of end in, of the disco era going into Duran Duran and all yeah. this kind of stuff, which was really processed and all yeah. that stuff. And so he was actually using ambience and yeah. room sounds and stuff. So you'd hit, you know, Hodges would hit the drum and go, yeah. you know, they'd have, they'd have a room out or a microphone outside the room and uh, yeah, pick up all the all the. Extraneous, you know, cars driving by, what, what, whatever, and, and incorporated into the music. And it's good. He's, Ma- yeah. Made good paintings. <laughs> so, aside from all, so now this is this is these are the ways that you have, you know, impacted me musically through mm. all these places, people you play with and, and work with. What are you? Before we get to your question, what are you? What are you working on now? Oh, I'm playing with a group called Sean Wheeler and the Reluctant Messengers. We're going down to Mexico next week, or no, next month, uh, three weeks, um, and. It's kind of a gospel-y, uh, 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 Art LeBeau oldies kind of thing. Like, um, it's it, it's fun. It's it's really good. Sean Wheeler and the Reluctant Messengers. And the Reluctant Messengers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think it they're has, like, pay us more. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. But yeah, don't kill us. We're having yeah. getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, and anyone, and then, anything else? You're I'm, oh, I'm doing the, the Kinks. Thing oh, you are, up. yeah. Oh, cool. What are you gonna What are you gonna be doing? Playing piano and organ and stuff. I, I used to. I toured with uh, Dave Davies um, back in ninety nine, ninety eight, or something like that. And oh, I'm totally yeah. forget the, the, the name. What's the name of the guy who's part of Wild Honey? One of the organizers. He plays bass. Dave Jenkins. Dave Jenkins. Yes. Were you? Was he on that tour? Because oh, yeah, he yeah, came in yeah. and he was on the show and he talked about getting to play with Dave Davies. So you toured with yeah. on, on that tour. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Uh, was that that must have been fun? Are that, you a Kinks fan? Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, like that was actually the first time I'd ever been on stage, or yeah, one of the, the I tried to keep it to a minimum of uh, where I was playing a song. It was uh, Strangers off of Lola. Oh. And um, and I was actually tearing up, and I'm like <laughs> playing. It's like I've always there's the guy. You know, it's like this, <laughs> but it, I realized it was like okay, you're a pilot, and and. You know your 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 mom's on the plane for the very first time. You want to show her how what a good pilot you are, and uh, and then you get so worked up about it that you crash the plane. And uh-huh. so I, uh, you know, you have to like bring it back right. inside. I mean, when you talk about playing, I I can that song is like crying. Yeah, straight to yeah. And yeah, you sing so high. Yeah, that doesn't uh, like uh, yeah, crying uh, no, as no. you're playing because it, it's like it's, you know, the thoughts get away from you. Okay, well, I wanted to get to I wanted to get to your to your question, mm-hmm. but before but before you want to talk about shivery? No, what? I have something totally different. Okay, well, didn't okay when we first met, right? I, I I probably met you before at like cinema or something like that, and then but then we did a gig with Ralph Carney oh, okay. and with Alan. And I think oh and Woody oh, and there was that girl playing guitar at the, the hotel cafe was it uh, at the hotel cafe? no it was at the old um, did we do the one at the that Mediterranean restaurant that was across the street from there too I think oh Tangier yeah oh Tangier oh we so, no we you and I went with Ralph 
to Tangier, Tangiers yes. to hear Michael Andrews. And so we were yes. just listening, and Anara George sat in, and um, and uh, Joey Warnaker sat in, right. and we sat at a table with them, and then it was Michael Andrews and um, the bassist has a band called Willoughby, Gus Seifert mm-hmm. on bass, forget who else, but I remember yeah, you I- and Ralph... I loved hanging out with you and Ralph. <laughs> I remember him friend. saying, like, Mike Andrew, how did they think of that name? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever Ralph would stay at Danny's house, he would stay in the spare room that had a lot of hats and amps, yeah, right? Yeah, always the hat and amp room. The hat and amp room. The hat and amp. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I think... I remember playing, Ralph had a gig at the Hotel Cafe, and Alan was on drums, and I sat in, Uh and that was when I first met Alan. We're talking about Alan Myers, who was a drummer and a dear friend. From Um, Devo. Yeah, from Devo. Oh, wow. And also Ralph Carney, who is also a dear friend who's passed. Um, But that's when I first met Alan, but I don't remember, you, you probably were on that gig. Yeah. What's and it? I don't know if I knew you yet. Maybe that's where I met you too. But you and I—you played with Randy Weeks, yeah, right? Yeah. So I used to play with Ben Vaughn long ago, and right. so probably the probably, cinema we—we yeah. we often were paired mm-hmm. where I met you. But but I always associate yeah. you with Ralph. You know. Yeah. I think when we played at the the hotel cafe. Carlos Guitarlos came walking in with carrying his amp in one hand and a guitar in the other, and, you, and and Ralph's bringing it way down quiet, and he's doing this really delicate little sax thing, which was rare for the set. Yeah. But then, and Carlos walks right up to him, hey, yeah, Ralph, are you gonna keep on doing this for a while or whatever? Because I got another kid crossed down. <laughs> and, and Ralph's just going, and then he, he just kind of looked up with, from the saxophone, going. Yeah, we're good. Okay. It was, <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh-huh. Champion show business moments. Uh-huh. So have we taught, have we? Well, the one we thing the, I wanted to say, yeah. you know, Danny's probably tired of me always bringing it up because uh-huh. every time I see him meeting somebody for the first, it's my favorite fact that you grew up on the Galapagos Island. Yes, I did. I, I lived there till I was five. <laughs> How many people do you meet <laughs> that, that can Raised say that? Raised by tortoises. Yeah, raised by tortoises. <laughs> wow. Do you go back? Uh, I have went back 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> and I actually felt famous down there because people were running up to me going, you look like, you're, or somebody told me you're oh, little Danny. Oh. Because yeah. I was so small and... Right. Little Danny. And naked. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't naked 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Lucky for the people of Galapagos. <laughs> and photographers everywhere. What do you... Are Galap? Do you, then does that make you a Galapagosian? Uh, a Galapagadian, possibly. A Galapagadian. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I don't know. How, what's the population of? When we lived there, it was like eight hundred. Oh, so and it's like my dad tried moving back down there in the eighties, and it was like twenty thousand. Now it's about fifty, I think. That's too. People just keep breeding. That's too many. And, yeah, that's people keep breeding. Yeah, that's, it's the uh, Darwin. Would there's be too so much crazy. evolution going there's, on there. It's it's like a <laughs> pandemic of pro, uh, promiscuity. <laughs> a pandemic of promiscuity. <laughs> <laughs> All those Galapagonians getting together with the Galapagations. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's mighty. Yeah. 
now I'm thinking of oh never mind I'm thinking of, of a Galapagosia like a, a geisha who's from Galapagos I don't know they I, could yeah sorry I'm gonna cut that one out that's, yeah that's no, good it's, yeah, no it's not it needs work. it's only it's only really good if you could capture Danny's look at me like what are you, what are you talking about Andras <laughs> or, or just how can I add to that yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, how you can add to it is you can give us your question for the Pop Oracle, Mr. Magoo. Okay, this, it was kind of hard um, to come up with something, but I was, uh, how about, uh, what is the best sound ever? Ooh. What <laughs> is the best sound ever? Well, we know that it's going to be the sound of Sarah Kramer sound playing, of silence. playing music, but now... To engage the Pop Oracle, you get to pick a card, okay. any card. Pick a card, any card, pick a card, any card. card. Hold it up for us. It is song number five, which is... Probably mellow. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be upbeat. Yeah, what is the what is the best sound there mm-hmm. is? It's something. <laughs> it is. I, yeah, it's something. you want cover me up with aluminum siding tell me everything tell me what you're selling tin man I want to know what you're finding cause it's not love it's not love it's not love but it's something Put a finger on it, not even my thumb. I'll 
I'll just lay here and take it, take it as it comes. I may not be the smartest one, but I'm definitely not dumb. And it's not the, it's not the, it's not the, but it's something. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the. It's something from Sarah Kramer. The answer to Danny Magoo's question, what is the best sound there is? Which, before we talk about the song, I also want to say my latest album, Matter of Time, all of that amazing piano, organ, and all kinds of interesting sounds in that vein are performed by the wonderful Danny Magoo. And we... I've been honored to have him support my rare performances. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky. (laughs) So that's him playing on that song. As we established earlier, he plays with some, he only plays with really good songwriters. So uh, that must, uh, you can count yourself among them. And that would, that would. And you're a songwriter too. You you have your own recordings. One day he's going to put out his own record. You've been working on it for how many decades? Like, I. (laughs) I get somewhere and then I I can it and stuff like that. You know, well, just, you I were one it. of the you were but one of the so writers great. on uh, on the Candy Pants yes. record. And yeah. also, I once recorded on a Candy Pants tune, That's right. but never came out. Well, Which right? one? The Nerdy Boys? No, song? it didn't get there's put out. I think the second record we're still working on. Oh, there. It, yeah. Oh, it's it is being worked on. Yes, and and it's it's coming. <laughs> uh, pitter patter, pitter patter, <laughs> pitter patter. Yeah. I think Lisa Jenny Ho is just. Uh, phenomenal talent yeah she is yeah. as great. a writer as like her aesthetic is just yeah mm-hmm. she, yeah yeah the, it's coming along i think we we have like one more song to record. really yeah. so it's it's yeah it's very it's close. nearly very so nearly done this year we could get we could get the bird and the bees van halen tribute and the candy pants record <laughs> oh my god I'm going nuts. Okay, <laughs> so uh, well, let's get into the let's get into the interpretation of that song. Uh, so, I have some ideas, but uh, in relation to the question, or just or I'm oh, supposed to tell, explain. Tell the a little song. bit about the where the song comes from. Give us some some fodder. Well, the song. Well, is gather around, kids. Forward. I'll tell you. <laughs> so once again. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, uh, the men don't, you know, last. They can't no. handle. They they don't they don't step up, or they only want so much, or a certain thing, or whatever. And I guess this song was just kind of like the first time that I maybe just participated in, like, all right, let's see what it's like if it's just that. But it never really can be just that because there's always 
care and love, but at least, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's kind of just, um, basically just, uh, sort of a something lacking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yet somehow more fulfilling than not having anything. So, so I got a question. So this song, was know. this written before the disappointment? This song was sort of written, uh, like drawing back on one relationship that was, that was more, um, <clears throat> the understanding was always that it was just kind of like, Oh, we're hanging and, and we like each other and, and enjoy each other and we can do this too. Um, and isn't that nice? And there's no expectation because that's all we're really doing, you know. But yet there, you, you never stop wanting or I never have, have stopped wanting and still have, you know, want even if, you know, it's too late. Who knows? But It's never too late. A whole family or, you know, birthing my own child whatever anyway this is too heavy for the pop oracle but it's <laughs> nothing too heavy, it's not too heavy for the pop we're oracle down that road, <laughs> yeah oh, like, no. we're not going to bring the pop oracle down at all oh, no but no. anyway so that was kind of like an agreement understanding that hey this feels good it's what we're doing now knowing that it's not going anywhere and it will not last and whatever and then it had ended but kind of recalling the emptiness in that, maybe, yeah. even though there was still, you know, a genuine care. But then also, when I wrote the song, it was kind of like in the midst of what was then a, a current situation where where it wasn't an agreement that yeah. that's where, where you're actually in it and the person knows all that you want and all the care and all that and you kind of are all the way in and don't necessarily feel them all the way in, I don't know, blah, blah. Um, and so it, it's kind of like, you know, I guess just disappointment or kind of throwing the hands up, or, but but also just like recognizing my own uh, that that normally I'm like either like there's nothing at all or let's see if the, it, it's, you know, is a something. And this song is more just like, well, let's just see that basically, you know. Love uh, the one you're you, with. You, 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 yeah, exactly. Kind of. Well, not necessarily exactly, but somewhere in that. Yeah. So the uh, the human heart would be the best sound. <laughs> <laughs> to make a long story short. <laughs> That's right. And specifically on another planet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, this song is is very. Uh, I knew you haven't had a chance to listen to my record, but when I was when you were singing some of these lines, some of this, uh, like the the sort of I don't know, I don't want to say pornographic, but the sort of the erotic, the the sort of um, stark erotic imagery of these lyrics. You know, bend me over, take what you want, or you know these these lines are like. Raw. They're raw, and I when I when I've written songs like when I've written songs like that, there's a sense of like when I'm writing it and I'm in it. I remember when like when I when I record when I there's a song like this that's on that record that I recorded, and when I wrote it and I'm inside of it, it doesn't feel raw. It just feels like true, 
and then it's on the record and I hear it and I'm like, are people going to like I start to worry about what other people are going to think. I start to hear it through other people's ears. Are people are going to be offended by this. And then and so I guess the the reason I bring this up is because I'm thinking about it as the answer to the question. Like, what is the best sound is there's something about when you're inside of it. Like, I, like, have you ever had this thing where, like, a song, like, if I told you, like, there's a song we've all heard a bazillion times, and I'm like, let's just throw that on right now. The Who's Slip Kid. I don't know why that stuck in my head, because you had the, had the Who jacket. And I've heard that song Red so... Bone. I've heard that song <laughs> so many times, right? But I, I'm thinking of a, th- a song that, like, if you told me that I would get really excited, if it would be, you know, like, I don't really need to hear that song right now. We're in the middle of something else. But when it comes on... And you're just, you know, when that happens when a song comes on, just like you're immediately energized and uplifted and you're in it. And it's so I think when I think about when you talk about the 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 uh, the best sound, it's like it's a matter of perspective. It's Mm -hmm. like if you're inside it, then it doesn't sound off or edgy because you're totally in it. And then maybe if you're if you're out of it. Then it, then you're judging. You're in this place of judging. So to me, what's the best sound is something that you're in that you're inside of, especially music when you're inside of it. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Townsend also is another guy who uses that kind of imagery that is that could seem, if it wasn't true and it wasn't authentic, could seem like it was just sort of dirty. But it's not. It's transcendent because. I feel like it's. I feel like I'm inside the song that mm-hmm. he's writing. So yeah. that's what I got. To me, it's that that the best sound is such a matter of perspective. Yeah. Like if you're in the right place for it, it's like if you're a 20 year old kid and you're at the Iguana Cafe and you see Duke McVinnie at midnight. <laughs> that's the best sound that could ever happen, and it has to do partly with him being great, but it also has to do with me being at a place where I'm so open to it mm-hmm. that I'm just like. Uh, yeah. So that's what I thought. Hmm. That's what I thought. I'm still uh, recording with Duke. He still he sends me tracks all the time. You're kidding? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if he, I I don't know if he remembers me. We I was we kind of knew each other back then. Yeah. Say say I, I will say hi. I'd yeah. love to have. Oh, I'm such a fan. I'd love to have him on the show someday. He was gonna come out here because because winter is so brutal where he's at. Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, no, he's in. Uh, the Woodstock area. Okay. Basically. I love that area. Yeah. I used to live there. But not but in the winter. Free, he's freezing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cold. And and yeah, he's he's more of a crazy prospector than ever. <laughs> I have I mean, I haven't seen him. He you know, I mean, when you when I was I was so young that everyone just seemed like so much like he seemed like carved out of granite when I met him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he he probably was probably like thirty years old, but yeah. <laughs> but he seemed like, oh my god, that guy is like an ancient mountain. Like, what is he? How did he get so good? Yeah. And oh, that's so great that he's still doing it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's, I, I think God must be on his twelfth album. He just makes them and puts them under his bed and out in the garage or something. But uh, but he's like, is is there a way to get any of them? Does I, he really I, just I, put them under the kind bed? of yeah. Like, um, are you the hookup? Can I? I could, yeah, I'll hook I'll... you, <laughs> you up with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta, there's a record I produced uh, by him called uh, "Not for Production," that's that's really uh, I'm very proud of. And, um, oh, what a joy! But he, 
he was uh, he he was playing with Joan Baez about wow. oh, 12 13 years ago that's a combination and she was let, letting him sell his CDs at at her, at her his merch table oh <laughs> <laughs> which was awful nice that's she's she's uh, very kind i guess yes wow duke McVinney and joan baez that does not yeah i mean <laughs> i'm sure if i saw it it would make sense but as you like if you were to say list the artists that you could see Duke McVinney playing with, I would go a long time before I got to Joan Baez. But yeah. she's got some taste. I loved going to see the uh, the show or the show that I saw because um, I, I was like the youngest one there mm-hmm. for a change. <laughs> little Danny, <laughs> it was little Danny again. Did you get naked? I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I you. Any of the projects that you're working on, if you ever want to bring them in to to do this, we'd I'd love to have them. No, oh, thank and, you. And uh, just thanks a lot for making the time to come down and and be on the show. Uh, no offense to all the other other people. Now I'm going to become fans of everyone else who's on the show. But <laughs> oh, I'm excited oh, to meet you. Thank you, Andrew. So thank you, Dan, Danny, <laughs> Mr. Magoo. <laughs> Brown them in their sleep. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and we were I'm not even going to explain it if you don't get it then you're too young <laughs> thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball we hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are for more info about our show visit Radio8Ball.com where you'll find the Radio 8 blog our Patreon campaign and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show. It's a good show.